Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes, a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of 1 Corinthians. Today is episode 449. Looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. Let's read our passage. Now I want to make clear to you, brothers and sisters, the gospel I preached to you, which you received, on which you have taken your stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold to the message I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I passed on to you, as most important, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to over five hundred brothers and sisters at one time. Most of them are still alive, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one born at the wrong time, he also appeared to me. For I am the least of the apostles, not worthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it is I or they, so we proclaim, and so you have believed. This is Paul's first letter to the church at Corinth, a church he had founded five years earlier. He's now on his third missionary journey. He's in Ephesus, and he's writing this letter to the church in Corinth. They have got a lot of problems. They are divided. They're trying to outdo each other as far as who's the, the most special. They think they're incredibly wise, so full of knowledge, so incredibly spiritual. Yet they're going to the pagan temples and participating in the pagan worship feasts. They are not dealing with blatant sin in their midst. They're confused about spiritual gifts. We just finished the section on spiritual gifts where Paul was trying to challenge them to to think about spiritual gifts in a different way versus as a way of being showy and proving how spiritual they are. Spiritual gifts are for the building up of the church and to be utilized based on a foundation of love for one another. Now he's shifting gears, he's starting to wrap things up, and he begins this section talking about, essentially, the resurrection. And you may think, okay, that's that's good, but we've got to understand the background to this, because the section we're looking at today is just pretty basic. Say, oh, okay, that sounds good. Paul's got some words about himself as an apostle, but it doesn't make sense unless we look at verse 12, which we really don't get to till next time. Let's read verse 12 right now. Paul says, Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? That's the key. That's why Paul is saying this. Because apparently there's an opinion running through the church that there is no resurrection of the dead. And so Paul's addressing this throughout chapter 15, this idea of, yeah, there is a resurrection. It's a resurrection we're all looking forward to, and it's all based upon the resurrection of Jesus. So the section we're looking at today is just basically reviewing the resurrection of Jesus. And you're going to start applying it in a logical and theological way as to why that matters. And you think, well, how could they not believe in a resurrection? Now remember some of the issues we've touched on as we've gone through this. There's a group of people, and we don't know how big the group is, whether it's just a few influential people, or a few very loud people, or whether it's a large section of the church. 
think they're so super spiritual. And part of that is they think they've already been resurrected. They think they've already been spiritually resurrected and they're now on the same level as angels. And so they have this weird view about things. And so that's why they have a weird view about basic morality because they're, they're beyond that. They're above basic morality. That's why they've uh, graduated beyond uh, basic relationships like marriage. And that's what spiritual gifts are for, to show how spiritual they are, that they're like angels. They can speak angel language. And so part of this confusion, not surprisingly, if you really step back, is they're confused about some really, really, really basic theological facts, like the resurrection of the dead. When we're looking at Paul's letter to the church at Thessalonica, part of their concern was, what happened to those that have already passed away before the Lord returns? Will, will they be resurrected? And Paul's assurance to them was, yes, they most assuredly will be resurrected. This group in Corinth, they just seem to have lost all grasp of the foundational things. And they're thinking, well, we've already been resurrected. So let's work through our, our section today where Paul's essentially reviewing the resurrection. He's not trying to prove the resurrection. He's reasserting this common-held foundational belief of all Christians through all churches everywhere, whole church-wide, is this common belief in resurrection. So chapter 15, starting in verse 1. Now I want to make clear to you, brothers and sisters, the gospel I preach to you. Well, this is foundational here. I want to make this clear to you. So this is a, listen up, Careful attention here. This is important. The gospel I preached to you, which you received, on which you have taken your stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold to the message I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. So he's beginning with the foundational things here. This is the gospel. Remember the gospel I preached to you? Remember five years ago when I showed up and I shared the gospel with you? And you all believed it, you accepted it, and you, you took your stand on it. That's the how you are saved is through believing the gospel. They add this, if you hold to the message I preach to you, that is, you're being saved. If you really did believe the gospel, then you're being saved. Now, this present tense of, of salvation, where he says, you are being saved. Don't get too wound up in that. You know, several times throughout the Bible, this idea of salvation, the way we normally think of it is, I was not saved, I accepted Christ, now I am saved. And we see that in the Bible. But we also see other views of it as far as it's an ongoing process of salvation, but it's still some of it to be completed in the future. And so it's just, uh, uh, depends on how you look at it. Are you saved now or salvation occur at the end when there is judgment. And it's just a matter of perspective. Continues verse 3. For I passed on to you as most important what I also received. He used this language when he was talking about the Lord's Supper. I've passed on to you of most importance what I received. In this case, the gospel. He began in chapter 15. He says that this gospel I preached to you now he's reviewing, and this is the gospel, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, that he appeared to Cephas, 
then to the 12. Let's pause right there. This essentially is, this seems to be something of a creedal formula, that is, uh, something people memorized verbatim as they shared. Okay, this is the basics. This is the gospel. Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. He was buried. He was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. He appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. That's the, the basics of the gospel. So you have the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That's uh, essential basics. And his death was a substitutionary death to pay for sin, to pay the penalty of sin that separates us from God. So we have here part of this central gospel truth is the resurrection of Jesus. And that's what Paul's really focusing on here is he's reasserting the centrality of the resurrection of Jesus because that's what the understanding of the resurrection of Christians is based on is the resurrection of Jesus. So he appeared to Cephas then to the twelve. And Paul adds here in verse 6, he says, Then he appeared to over 500 brothers and sisters at one time. Most of them are still alive, but some have fallen asleep. So this is probably not part of the creedal formula that was known throughout churches far and wide. This is something Paul added. And we don't know exactly what he's referring to here because Acts does not give us a, a specific instance where Jesus appeared to 500 people after his resurrection at one time. But Paul adds this, and he adds, and most of them are still alive, although some have fallen asleep. That is, some of them have died, but if you're really looking for evidence, you could go back to Jerusalem and interview eyewitnesses, because many of them are still there. And verse 7, then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one born at the wrong time, he also appeared to me. So people get confused because... In verse 5, he says he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Well, he's referring there to the apostles, the apostles, twelve followers of Jesus, even though there were actually only eleven at that time because of Judas killing himself. But they're still called the twelve. But then in verse 7, he says to all the apostles. So is this the same group, or has he expanded the group? Remember, sometimes apostle is referring to the 12 apostles, and sometimes it refers to any of the missionaries who have carried the message of Christ out. It couldn't really be that very expanded category because many of these people, like Timothy, who are sometimes referred to as apostles, they weren't there as eyewitnesses to the resurrection. Or is he referring to a different time, like uh, there at the ascension on the, at the uh, shore of the Sea of Galilee when Jesus appears to the apostles there? It's hard to say. And what Paul's doing, basically, is he's trying to get them to recognize the centrality of the resurrection of Jesus. And he's working it up to himself. Verse 8, last of all, is to one born at the wrong time. He also appeared to me. So he appeared to Paul on the road to Damascus several years after the appearance to the other apostles. He goes on to talk about himself a little bit. Verse 9, For I am the least of the apostles, not worthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. So why is he not worthy? Because of his persecution. And that's where he is 
somewhat humble often where he talks about these things that anything he's accomplished really been God who's accomplished through him. Verse 10, but by the grace of God, I am what I am and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. It kind of sounds like he's bragging here. I worked harder than any of those guys. They all had it easy, but not me. No siree. I don't think that's what he means. I think what he means is he's he's just basically in as humble way as he can, saying, I accomplished a great deal here. I, I took the gospel all over the place. I traveled throughout Asia and Europe taking the gospel. The number of churches I planted are uh, immense. I think that's what he means. It's not so much of I worked so much harder than anybody else, but that God accomplished a lot of really good things through his work. Because he then says, it wasn't me, it was the grace of God that was with me. Then verse 11, whether then it is I or they, so we proclaim, and so you have believed. Now this is background before we get to the real argument, because the issue is some of them are denying that there will be a resurrection of Christians. So Paul is, this section, he's bringing them back to, remember when you believed the resurrection of Jesus. He's going to take the resurrection of Jesus and run with that and take that to the resurrection of Christians. So get back to the basics of the gospel, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the gospel. So he takes it back to the foundational truth that they believed and hopefully still believe. Let's go over there and clear up the confusion they have. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through 1 Corinthians.